This is the 2D10 Podcast. You better listen. For folks tuning into the podcast, I am joined today by Jack, the Lore by Night guy. Thanks for being on my podcast. And thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I should be uh, really thanking you. Um, I've been checking out your YouTube channel, and I have to congratulate you on your monumental 2,000 followers. That's that's pretty awesome. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite an accomplishment. I really appreciate uh, you coming on. As I said, thank you very much for having me. And I love the stuff that you've done on your current podcast and the previous one, the unspeakable one, as it were. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, it's not, it's not unspeakable. It's just, you know, it's not, it's just, I'm not involved with it anymore. And, um, you know, when you, when you leave a podcast, you know, and it's not on the like best of terms, I guess, you know, there's no like bad blood or anything, but it's just like, I don't want to not promote that podcast, but also I'm not on it anymore. So, you know, it behooves me to kind of <laughs> just like, let it be what it is. But uh, it is uh, it is interesting, you know, starting fresh and, you know, it's like being the new kid on the block, um, even though I've been kicking around here for quite a while now. So, yeah, I appreciate your support. It really means a lot that there's people that make really good content that actually still give a crap what I'm doing. (laughs) So I really, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming on. You're very welcome. I mean, I love the stuff that, as I've said, the stuff I've loved the stuff that you've done, the stuff that you're doing, that you're branching out a bit more, taking on a different uh, style and things, and uh, the stuff that you did on the previous podcast is um it's been very influential in how I've done my own podcast as well. So, I I, I kind of feel that I had to, you know, support the people who inadvertently had uh, supported me in a way. Well, I appreciate that. Um... I, uh, I wanted to kind of ask you, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, you've, you've been doing this for about a year now, right? That's right. Yeah. You just had your one year anniversary and, uh, you know, to accumulate, you know, 2,200 or, you know, 2000, whatever plus, um, you know, uh, subscribers on YouTube. That's pretty awesome. 2000 in a year is, is pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, you do something kind of a little bit different than you know, traditionally speaking, you, you're doing something different than a lot of people um, in the podcast space. And you do, you know, pretty fully acted out um, instructional, you know, kind of in world lore videos. And I think that that's really unique and really interesting. What what, what brought you to to do that? and um, you know, how did you develop that character? Cause it seems very fleshed out. Wow. That's a lot of really nice things there. Thanks. I'm a bit stunned. Like I'm not used to getting compliments. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, it's, this is the world we live in. We, we either compliment each other or nobody does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was getting into, um, vampire, as, as we said a bit over a year ago, um, I was really, if it's not, immediately obvious i absolutely adore the law um hence the podcast's name and you know i'd search around online you know bits of the wiki things what people right. did on youtube like various facebook pages and twitter and whatnot and seeing what people were saying and a lot of what i found uh, a lot of it was focused uh, primarily on revised edition stuff which is fine obviously the huge chunk of the law happened there and there was a little bit on V20, which I always found was a little bit odd because given how much, um, how popular mm-hmm. V20 is. Um, but there was also very little on V5 at the time of recording the most recent uh, incarnation of right. the game. I mean, it makes sense because it's only been out for about a year and a bit now. But even so, I was still a little bit surprised that there weren't more people jumping on this opportunity. And... Um, one of the biggest influences of how I, uh, in the direction I wanted to take my podcast, uh, was um, Matthew Dawkins' uh, The Gentleman Guide to Gaming. And I really liked how he's um, taken on his own character, which right. I'm pretty sure is Lord Camden, uh, the um, Cappadocian, one of the, uh, the Seneschal to Mithras or whatever. And I, anyway, I just loved the way that, you know, he was taking on this role of a character and he was like, 
educating a fledgling or a neonate. It felt to me more organic yeah. way of learning things. I Go just ahead. picked up things a lot easier the way that he was doing things. And with my background in uh, music production, there's just a bit of the back of my head that says the audio quality just wasn't fantastic. And I wish I could get in the room with him and just like set things up around him and record that. And then I just had this idea one day and I thought, well, why don't I try and do this thing? Because I wanted to do something that was YouTube related for some time. And I thought maybe this is the thing that I could be doing. And I mean, I, I had V5 and I was made the decision that I was going to slowly build up a library of things, you know, to read and digest. Um. So yeah, that's basically what I did. And just through uh, time, I decided that I was going to take on this role of the narrator, a elder Methuselah Nosferatu educates a neonate that he saved from at the pavement of an asylum club. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, that was like the basic idea. And just as it's progressed, I just come up with little ideas that I just tag on and just, because I know that, especially with people my own Discord server, they really like like the lore that I've made with this character and just hint a bit then here and there. Oh, so he did this, and oh, he's mentioned the prince is this name, so where could he base, be based? You know, that sort of thing. So just like, right, <laughs> trying to track down the character. Yes. So yeah, that's just basically how I decided I wanted to do things. So let me ask you um, this question from one person who's had to read a ton of, of these Vampire the Masquerade books um, to another who I would have to say has uh, probably had to read maybe more considering your output. How, uh, how much of this material have you had to consume over the last year? Like, what is your, what is your output for reading? Like, what are you reading a day? I don't even try and think about like, like that, to be honest. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, it's quite a lot of different sources. I mean, I'm building up my own library. Uh, most of mm -hmm. it's um, V20 stuff because um, that's the more recent stuff and I'm trying to incorporate right. it as much as I can. Uh, listening to stuff that um, you've done, as I said, the bit of the Gentleman Gamer, uh, the Primogen, who is another uh, World of Darkness lore content creator, um, Outstar, um, Martino, who works... Uh, with, um, at paradox now it's so all these different sources and bits of the wiki as well because as interesting as all these various different books are i'm just not prepared to buy <laughs> <laughs> all these hundreds and upon hundreds of these various books as much as i'd like to i just don't have the space for them so right. it's really a whole a collection of different things like audio and book wise um i think date wise the oldest books that i have as in when they were released, was uh, is Dark Ages British Isles. But I don't really know, to be honest. But, um, I mean, in, like talking about revision mm -hmm. edition, V20 edition, uh, I, I don't really know, to be honest. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did it. I did it the, I don't know, maybe the less smart way. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think a part of that is you know, the reason why I'm, I'm trying to kind of expand a little bit now, obviously, you know, for me, vampire and world of darkness is kind of like my foundation, but you know, it's important for me, you know, kind of like doing my own thing that, you know, I want to, I want to differentiate myself and, and do other games that I like, but yeah, I, I think over the course of like three years, I'm, I must've read, you know, well, I uh, read all the, the vampire books, um, cover to cover, but I don't know that that was the smartest thing to do in <laughs> retrospect. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I had an advantage to some degree because, you know, I've been into this game for a very long time. And um, another thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about, because it's something that is very noticeable about your material, you had said that you had a background in um, like music production. Mm -hmm. um, and how are you able to sort of take that into your, your podcasting? Because it's definitely your audio quality is pretty tops. It's, you know, very, very good. Um, Thank you very much. Was that, was it a difficult transition to go from audio production to podcasting or was it just like, Hey, no big deal. <laughs> well, a lot of it was made easier because I, 
um, I know the acoustics and the layout of my recording space, which um, mm-hmm. to make it less fancy is my bedroom. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I know where to position myself and the mic uh, so it doesn't sound too roomy. Yeah. Um, it, to begin with, it was a little bit weird because I'd been used to recording uh, vocals and occasionally pianos or acoustic guitars, you know, those sorts of things. It it was a bit weird at first recording somebody speak and even weird because it was me. And yeah. I wasn't really accustomed to my own voice then, which is kind of why part of the reason I decided to take on this role of a character. So I could kind of mask my own insecurities, as it were. But, you know, a year later, I'm not so bothered by it now. Yeah. Uh, so it was a weird transition, but it wasn't a totally alien one for me. Yeah, that's uh, something that it really was a bit of a process for me, um, you know, doing uh, the recording. Um, you know, I've kind of been in charge of, of everything since day one. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a background in any kind of audio production. Um, I went to broadcasting school and cool. um, it, it wasn't, but, it, you know, it wasn't like... Uh, it's more, it's more like how to use your voice, which, you know, clearly I'm doing an excellent job of now, but, um, all those lessons that they taught me, I basically threw out the window because podcasting is not really, you know, uh, it's now it's becoming very big, but you know, at the time, five years ago, it still really didn't have that. You know, it was kind of like, a you know, couple of days they talk about, Oh, well, you know, podcasting, it's like radio on the internet and then they move on. But you know, now we're seeing, so many different types of podcasts. It's become such a huge art form. And, you know, I've had to learn and adapt. And, you know, I imagine you've gone through much of the same just in, in the last year. Um, one of the things that I was going to ask you, and and I may have already gotten the answer, but, um, you know, I talked a bit about your YouTube channel. And, you know, it's, uh, like I said, a year, 2,000 followers, 2,000 subs, whatever. That's a pretty good number. Um, what, what, what was behind the decision for you to avoid doing live video? Um, was it that level of, you know, insecurity or was it just like, don't have a camera, don't want to waste my time? Um, because honestly, most podcasts that are just like a still don't really have that same level of connection that yours does. So, you know, what was it about that, that was able to work for you? so positively, but still not, you know, rely on, on recording actual video. Um, it was a whole slew of things, to be honest. Part of that was to do with that insecurity element. It was one thing trying to get used to um, hearing my voice back. Um, and sure, we all know what we look like in front of a mirror, but it's different having our video or uh, camera uh, photo taken. And yeah. I didn't particularly want to deal as as you said in your examples like dealing with getting a camera doing the editing it it takes long enough to edit the audio for this and i didn't want to add that level of complexity um i'm i can't remember what i was saying i keep doing that whenever i'm interviewed or i have been interviewed <laughs> with people and yeah no, I don't even worry about it <laughs> i remember now i've gotten back on track and uh with vampire stuff uh, I wanted the focus to be on the law, and I felt my face or my inability to look at the camera or eye contact or, uh, you know, if I'm not looking on par, as it were, not looking as the best as I could be. I didn't want, or my messy bedroom. I didn't want those elements, those things to distract and take away from uh, what was being presented. And really... um. Yeah, it, it was just mainly finding the, making sure that there wasn't any outside elements distracting it. That it was just the voice, the law, that was that was the main focus of people's attentions. Yeah, and um, another thing that I've noticed about your presentations, and I think that this is a, a very good thing, especially for people who are looking for, um, you know, easy to digest lore about the world of darkness and about, you know, vampire, the masquerade specifically, most of your videos, most of your podcasts are like between the 15 and 25 minute range. And I think especially with YouTube, 
you know, uh, that is a very good amount of time for, you know, people that want to have that like short form, you know, mid to short form, um, chunk of information instead of, you know, what this is, you know, this sort of conversational thing, you know, this is probably going to be 45 minutes to an hour. It's also like, that's part of the reason why I've decided maybe not to put all the podcasts up on my YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I just feel like this sort of conversation, I think is easier for people, you know, when they're driving or they're doing whatever, and they're not like super invested in, in being present like they would be with a YouTube video. I think your, um, your video size really lends itself to that YouTube, uh, experience, basically long winded explanation aside. I think that size is great, um, for what you do. If you, if you did what you do for an hour at a time, you know, that might be a little bit more difficult to digest, but I think, yeah, you, yeah. you've, uh, you found the right size. Thank you. I mean, it wasn't that intentional, really. I just, I knew that obviously Vampire has been around for almost 30 years at this point, mm-hmm. and it can be very dense. It can be very complicated if you went through like so many of the different books and the video games and just like pulled every single bit out. I would either have to do it at those lengths or yeah. do it in parts. And I did not want to do like. I don't know, a Nosferatu law part one and part two, because what would happen is that less people would listen to each sequel, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's weird that you would have that that um, ability to see in advance that that's what happens. Um, where do you think you acquired that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I ask, I ask only because, you know, I've been doing sort of my, my, you know, history of or what have you, and I've been doing those in parts. And unfortunately, that's been my experience too. That yeah. a bunch of people listen to the first one, and then a few less listen to the next one, and then mm-hmm. even fewer listen to the one after that. And it's really, really annoying because I work very hard on them. Yeah, I had something. Well, on my YouTube channel, I've done three separate Let's Plays: um, the the Vampire, the Masquerade, Visual Novels, and more recently, Heart of the Forest, the Way of the Apocalypse one. Uh, that one was especially annoying because uh, the others were live streamed and they were much, much longer. And mm-hmm. Uh, the Heart of the Forest, I don't know if you've got around to playing slash reading that no. yet, um, mm-hmm. but eat, there's, there's six chapters, So I, and each of them about, like, one of them is like 40 minutes, the others are quite smaller, and I, I had a lot of people requesting for that one, because there's obviously the element of my voice that draws people in, they thought, oh, it'd be really good if you read this, and basically soddle people showed up and was like, I spent a week on this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yep. Um, outside of that, it, it was something that I've noticed because of um, I really enjoy video games as like one of my big passions. Uh, it's Vampire, which is the most recent one, music and video games. And any video game that takes my interest that I can't play because it's like locked to a country which is rare or it's on an older console that I don't have, I will spend some of my free time watching like Let's Plays of it. And it's just something that I noticed that like the first episode will have the most amount of views and then every thereafter, it will be much, much smaller, which going back to the original point, um, I wouldn't want to like break up the law like that because people will just lose interest. And also there was just so much and I just wanted to present what, what was the most viable, what was the most interesting and the most relevant. So uh, going back to the clan stuff that I did, which is some of the first things that I did, I basically broke it down into the little intro uh, what happens with the antediluvian like the ancient dark ages stuff some bit on victorian age and then some bit on the modern and then there's an outro which says probably the v5 stuff and then just like a summary of what's happened kind of like um structuring an essay in that sense like yeah say what you're going to say say it say it again yeah i was going to ask you a bit about your um your writing process because um the whole writing aspect of this material is new for me. Um, you know, all the podcasting I've done previously, that's, that's all conversational, you know, it's Mm -hmm. read the book, sit down with, you know, a good friend and just sort of gab back and forth and try to keep it somewhat, you know, at least on task, you know? Um, but now, you know, with making videos and doing that sorts of thing, uh, those sorts of things, you know, I have to sit down and I have to do a whole, it's a whole host of different things. And, you know, um, my curiosity is 
for you in the characterization, you know, what, what does that writing process look like for you? Um, you know, how long does it take you? You know, do you have like a certain word count that you go by? Um, I don't bother with a word count simply because bigger numbers frighten me. So I do a page count. <laughs> <laughs> like I know roughly how long an episode's going to last based on its pages. Like I know mm-hmm. that if it's seven pages, it's going to be about half an hour. Like three pages is about nine to 11 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, for example. But that's just something that I've worked out through time doing this for uh, a year and a bit now. Yeah. Um, where the time I take to write uh, each episode has uh, changed significantly because when I was starting out, it would take me uh, two to three days to write and edit a script because I print mm-hmm. them all out. They're currently sitting on my desk ready to be recorded. Um, but as I got more confident and with the, not just with the researching and the writing, but also portraying the character that I was portraying, uh, it can take one to two days now. So it's, as time's gone on, it's just taken less time to do, and I've gotten more confident doing it as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, the the numbers thing. Um, I, I have a little bit of an advantage in that regard because um, my wife has done freelance writing for other YouTube channels, and so I, like neat. when I started, uh, yeah, she she's a uh, she's she's a she's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, she, she's a medical writer. And so mm-hmm. she's done some medical writing for, um, just some, some science channels that are out there. Um, but I, I never wrote a script before, you know, I, I, I had done copy. I'd done like copy for radio and stuff like that, but I I've never written a script for myself. And, you know, I don't really consider myself like a writer uh, in that regard, but I knew unless I wrote it, it wasn't going to be as precise as I wanted it to be. So anyways, long story short, you know, she was like, if you are writing a script and it's over 2000 words, you know, then it's going to be over 15 minutes. And that's like, you're not really going to get people to stay tuned in for much longer than that. So that's like, I had to, you know, uh, the, the, history the print history of the world of darkness that was my first series of videos that i did for 2d10 and you know that one as i sat down and you know i got to that 2000 word area and i was like a third of the way through and i was like i can't really cut anything out of this my my only choice really at that point was to make it a series of videos and i realized i couldn't do it in 2000 but I could probably do it in 6,000. So unfortunately, or fortunately, I have to split it all up into like sets of three. Um, but you know, that's, that's more, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like try to cut out enough, you know, did the history, uh, print history of dungeons and dragons too. And, you know, I was like, is there stuff that I could cut out? And yeah, there was tons of stuff that I cut out. And even that was, you know, 45 minutes of video. So it's like, you you, you got to make a choice. Either you're making a documentary or you're making a series of videos or yeah. what, and you just hope people care and, and watch. Um, turns out not many people cared about that particular <laughs> set of videos. I care. Yeah, and, and well, I appreciate it. I know, I know some people watched them, but you know, that, that was one of those things where like I did so much research yeah. and I did so much writing and so much editing. And then, you know, like I, I watch the views and I'm like, come on, I thought people like D and D, but yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that can, really I was listening tough. to, yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. But I mean, it's all part of the, the process, right? Like, you know, there are other people that will give you sort of like their, their, uh, their journey. And they'll tell you like, this is how I do it. This is how you should do it. But I don't, I don't think that that necessarily means anything. You know, I think everybody's going to find their path, making what means something to them. And, you know, it's either going to be, you know, the biggest thing ever, or it's just going to be what you make it. Um, anyways, I was, I was watching your review of vampire and, uh, the most recent one that you posted about the video game. And it is, it is not a game that I've ever played. However, it's a game that I was definitely interested in. And, um, 
before I, I ask my question, I'm going to give you another compliment because that's what this podcast is turning out to be. Um, <laughs> I, I listen to, I listen to a lot of like video game reviews and video game walkthroughs on YouTube and um, especially like Skyrim and Fallout. Those are some of my favorite video games. Skyrim and one of my favorites as well. I have a signed of the soundtrack on my book on one of my shelves somewhere. Well, I mean that's that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and and I and I hate you. No, um, but uh, you know that's one of the games that I I really enjoy, and I've I've been playing it since it came out. I've got too many hours played in that game on too many different consoles. Yeah, pre- um, you're preaching but, to the choir there. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that I really appreciate about it was your, your voice going through that review. Like if you decide to stop doing vampire stuff, that, that should be the next thing you do. Uh, Do (laughs) video game reviews. Um, so compliment aside my question. Um, it's been about a year, you know, give or take since you've been in involved in the vampire community. And I'm more interested in your, ability to play uh, the tabletop game or storytell the tabletop game. Um, because if you, if you've only been in, in a year, I'm, I'm assuming most of your experience has had to have been online now that we're kind of dealing with COVID over the last mm-hmm. nine months. What has that looked like for you from a player or storyteller perspective? Well, truth be told, I haven't actually played in a great deal of games um, I have played an Earth V5 game and three 4v20 games. I haven't story told yet, but hopefully end of this year, early next year, I'll be uh, diving into the role of storyteller for the first time because I'm really wanting to play uh, to storytell a V20 Dark Ages game. I have a group of my friends who wanted this and I, I just so happened to have this little idea and We've been trying to work these things out, but the only thing that's holding that back at the moment is that one of the players is having some difficulties moving house. And once that's yeah. all sorted, uh, we should be able to get this started off, of, uh, which I'm really excited for because, as I keep saying, I really love the setting and the Dark Age stuff. I feel a lot of the gritty meat of the lore is found and the different elements of horror with the Dark Age stuff that you could only right. explore there and wouldn't really work as well for the modern stuff. I mean, true faith, for an example, and just faith in general, really. <laughs> right. um, but besides that, I haven't really... Yeah, most of my experience with vampires being online, either talking to people about it, either the tabletop game, the lore, or Bloodlines of Redemption, the two um, video games, and to an extent, the visual novels as well. Now, for someone who is... Um, I feel I have authority to say this Um, as someone who is new to the game and new to the setting and new to, I guess I could call it the the subculture of the vampire, the masquerade community. I want to get your opinion on a few things. Um, First, first I'd like to know um, what you would consider one of, or a few of some of the best things that you've experienced in this community. But also, I'd like to know, as a new player, um, a new—I um, I don't I hate to use this word—but as a as a new influencer in in the vampire community, what are some of the things that you've experienced that you find to be the biggest turnoffs about the community as well? So I kind of want to hear, like, what's the best? What do we have to offer? And and also, like, if you're new, what should you look out for and maybe avoid? Hmm. That's a really interesting question because the best thing in my experience is the community is just how friendly and inviting everybody is, which is such a weird thing to say about a group of goths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, we when you share like a collection of books that you have or a character concept or just are calling out to uh, the family, which is our little. Um, code word for it, i guess the community was well, not code word but you know what i mean yeah um, it's our it's our hashtag yes our hashtag um like throw that in there some vampire the masquerade hashtags and everybody's really supportive and encouraging and if you've got a question like somebody somewhere is going to answer it uh which kind of leads me on to the thing i don't like that sometimes uh sometimes people can be um 
how do I word this? They can be too full on sometimes with the lawn fiends and it can be a bit overwhelming. I'm working up here. Sometimes um, you have some people who are stuck in that area of <laughs> vampire. You know where I'm going with this. So, yeah. um, edgelord, edgelord face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, people who assume that because it's the world of darkness, everything goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I despise so much. I've had some of that experience on my own Discord server. There was um, a thing at the beginning of the year where a couple of um, heavily opinionated people, which conflicted with the vast majority of people on there, shall we say. And I had to deal with that, and I was just a bit baffled that like, how can these people yeah. exist? Um, but in uh, with direct influence to the things that I do, sometimes when I upload something, and I mispronounce a clown. It's so hard. (laughs) Continue, please. I don't want to interrupt you, but I feel, I feel where you're coming from on every level. Yeah. The one that I get, I don't really get this one as much, but I'll probably just jinxed it now, uh, is my pronunciation of Bruja, because to Mm -hmm. my knowledge in the original book, it's like in brackets, pronunciation is Bruja. Um, Mm -hmm. From bloodlines onwards, it's Bruja. And, Mm -hmm. I get I got told off quite a lot for that one. And whenever I did, I just inserted a link that By Night Studios did. It's got Tim Bradstreet talking about like their deluxe book. And they asked him what's their favorite clan? And he says Bruja. So there you go. You can't really argue <laughs> with that. <laughs> um Cappadocius and Cappadocian is another one that I get pulled up on because every so often I say Cappadocian, because that's mm-hmm. technically the correct pronunciation. Um and um, I, the one that makes me laugh the most is Zemitsi, which is the one that everybody agrees that no one knows how to pronounce. Like, there's a video online of somebody asking various World of Darkness people, how do you pronounce Zemitsi? And you've got Justin Achille at the end, like, busting out ten different pronunciations. Right. <laughs> so, some people can be, in a word, pretentious about these sorts tiny of... Tiny bit. <laughs> yeah tiny tiny bit but more, more so it, people the community is incredibly inviting and warm and accepting for the various different like as i said if you've got a character concept or you just got a general question you just ask and someone's going to be really helpful about it or yeah. point you in the direction of somebody who can help you out which i think is really nice and it's not something that i would usually associate with strangers on the internet yeah yeah, and I'll agree with you about both of those things. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, I've been going back and forth for a while, and I think um, there are some very uh, small minorities of people that are very vocal about how things are and how things should be. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I empathize with those people because I've been that person and I was that person until I was exposed to a larger community. You know, I, I always felt that, and you know, this is just my own personal ignorance, my own inability to sort of open up to, you know, other people. But I just thought the way that I did it was the best way. It was the only way it was the right way. And everybody else was wrong. And, you know, I hate to see people, especially really smart people, you know, sort of exposing themselves like that because, you know, the game is allowed to be a thousand different things to a thousand different people. Hmm. So, you know, I hope that those people get over themselves for, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say that, like get over it, nice it, you know? Me. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, uh, it's a game and it's most certainly not the people that wrote the books or developed the books that are, are treating other people that way. So it really now in retrospect baffles me how people could be like that. Like you didn't Mm. write the book. So, you know, I could understand, you know, if Justin Achille talked to me and he said, you know, how you pronouncing this or what you think of this clan, well, you're, you're pretty off. Let me just set you straight. But when it's a fan, you know, I mean, it's not always about us. Anyways, I, I won't go on a rant too, too far on that, but one of the big ones for me in pronunciation and we, I've gotten a lot of them, trust me, um, is the Giovanni. So really? Yeah, yeah. What I've learned is everybody pronounces things differently depending on where they're from. Especially, you'll notice this a lot with even like different people in America 
that live in different cities, just their regional dialect can change how they say certain clans or, or what have you. But mm-hmm. when I first started playing this game, and this will this will curl some people's toes. Uh, I know because they've said as much to me. I pronounced <laughs> I pronounced the TZ clan as Shamase. That's how I was taught. Hmm. And when we started doing this podcast and we started releasing ones where we talked about Sabat and talked about you know the the Zemis as I'll call them now. And I was pronouncing it that way, Shamase. People were losing their minds. <laughs> People oh, were like, imagine. it's so wrong. And and I, I didn't want to be that guy who pulled out my my Sabat guide and was like, there's three pronunciations of this word. And the way I'm pronouncing it is one of the right ways. So I just like I just let it go. Um, because I didn't want to be that guy. But uh yeah, and the the Giovanni, you know, in America, like we just pronounce it Giovanni. Like it's a, it's a long G I O and yeah, very quickly. As soon as we did the first clan book, uh, maybe even before that, uh, someone sent us a letter and was like, no, that's not how it's pronounced. It's pronounced this way. You're wrong. So it became a very contentious aspect of, of my podcasting experience, but, uh, not so much anymore. You know, it's kind of calmed down a little bit, but yeah, for a long time, I, I became very self-conscious about it because it wasn't it's not just me that pronounced these things the way that I pronounced them. That was like everybody in our gaming community. That's how it was pronounced. So it wasn't like I was just dumb and didn't know how to read. <laughs> it was it was that you know this was learned over the course of, you know, 15 20 years of LARP and tabletop play and just that's how people in the area pronounce things. So the Giovanni one's really interesting because that's how I say it. Because mm-hmm. I think I think that's how in Bloodlines you visit a Giovanni mansion, and that's just how they do it, and that's how I've picked up on yeah. it. Yeah, right. Um, the, the Zamitsi one I could kind of understand, but as I said, we've already established as like an infinite possibility <laughs> ways of saying that word. That's right. made up word that's caused so much discontent and toe curling <laughs> suffering. But, yeah, yeah. It's just. It's just weird, like they people got really nothing better to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and and people get really into their hobbies. You know, they get into what they love, and that you know, when they hear somebody, you know, butchering a word that they know, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt is a certain way. You know, they get people tend to get a little heated. Uh, I I don't personally get it. I I don't really care. Um, you know, it's like with the the bruja. Like I've heard it both ways. And, you know, a bruja is a witch, so it makes sense. But I'm, you know, I come from the stubborn end where like I heard it as bruja the first time. So that's what it'll always be to me. You know, it's just, even if it's wrong, I'm always going to call it that because that's just what I learned. So, but it's interesting that a game can have that level of, uh, of intricacy, even in their, in the lore. Yeah. Just, different ways of saying the clan names and no one really knows is that it just adds a level of mystique to it that i really like and with mm-hmm. it was bruja i i went backwards i heard bruja first then it was bruja because again bloodlines they say bruja and blah 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 but yeah it's just, um and it kind of makes sense of us with a certain generation of people because it was you know really before the internet was kicked off when yeah masquerade came out and you'd read the book and it would look and say a certain way and that's just kind of what you're used to and again what you said with the your own community's dialect and way of saying things you just pick up in a certain way and then when the internet opened up and these sort of things sort of being populated online like (gasps) gasp like yeah you say it like that but Right. No, you're, you're, <laughs> absolutely. Because, uh, you know, especially like in a LARP community, you know, we, we, I, I got my start, you know, obviously the internet existed, but you know, it wasn't, we would never see these words. They were not part of the, and they're still, you know, not part of the lexicon. It's like, every time I use the word alacrity, somebody's like, Oh my God, are you a genius? I'm like, no, I just played vampire a bunch. So I kind of know that word, you know? And so 
it's 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 bizarre because you don't see these words for most of us the average human being playing this game they're not part of your daily lexicon you're not going to see them and then you know when when you have to explain to someone you know the thaumaturgical qualities of the tremere blood and they're like what did you just say like <laughs> you, what is any of that right so well it's yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun um so uh Let's let's get into let's get into the the addition war that we all face on a daily basis on all of our discords. Oh, goody! Um, and um, you know, what are some of your favorite things about V five? What are some things from earlier editions or V twenty that you wish they would have included? Or you know, which one do you prefer? Um, you know, from a a lore perspective. Um, Let's 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 alienate people, shall we? <laughs> let's see how many subscribers and followers we can lose together. <laughs> um, well, I, sh- I should point out that uh, I started with V five and have thus worked backwards, both chronologically and edition wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, the things I like with V five that it's super easy to pick up the book and understand the very basics of each clan. Uh, the sects, uh, the stuff they've done with the Second Inquisition is incredibly interesting. And when compared that to Vampire Hunters of old, uh, the Society of Leopold, it was a much needed update and modernization, mm-hmm. in my totally biased opinion. Um, I like how disciplines are dealt with in V5 to an extent. Uh, I like some of the amalgamations, amalgams, I can't pronounce that word properly. Like It's sort of like a pick and choose sort of thing, so it adds a bit more diversity to character concepts. I will forever be wound up that Dementation is a part of Dominate. I can almost understand why, but no. <laughs> um, likewise, uh, with the recently announced V5 Companion Guide, um, hearing the vicissitude. Oh, that's another word I get told off for improperly, not saying properly. Um, chemistry and... Obia are going to be amalgams or whatever the freaking word. Yeah, is. Uh, that I find a bit baffling. I can understand, like in the in the mechanical sense of simplifying things, but the fact imagining the vicissitude is going to be sort of shoved into protein, um, because of the stuff that I've read previously and the law wise, I just think no. it's interesting that you would come about that perspective because it's uh it's one that i hear from people who are you know like you have deep uh, experience and knowledge of of them and it's interesting to hear it from someone who started with v5 and worked their way back to go even even to you to go like "Mm, i don't know about that that seems a little a little funky it's the same you know it's the same thing that I, i i said about uh um, Serpentis and uh, and Protean. I, I just don't. I you know to me that was very like shoehorned together because both of them vaguely deal with animals and yeah. you know it was just like I don't understand why you know or or not even that they deal with animals but the physical form of the vampire changing to an animalistic form and I was just like I that seems like seems a little weird to me but okay mm. so continue my apologies for interrupting you. That's all right. I mean, actually, Serpentis was another one, especially when you have a look, because the Ministry, or the Setites, the followers of Sets, they're in the V5 Anarch book, and the one discipline power they get, um, I can't remember if they put this in Protein or Presence, but it requires a point in the other one to use, is the Eyes of the Serpent, which is like basically Mm -hmm. Dread, but with Snake Eyes. So Dread plays with Snake Eyes, and I just thought... Was that really putting worth in there? Couldn't they just added a couple more in there, like the cool ability of removing one's heart and putting it in an urn somewhere? Right. Uh, it, it just seems a bit of a wasted opportunity for me. Um, with the layout of V5 in particular, I think it's really good for introducing new players, and I'm speaking as a new player. Uh, it was the first book that I purchased. Um, but I didn't think layout-wise it was very good for new storytellers. That you've got bits here, and it said, I'll read this on this page, and then you go to that page, and it's a sentence. So, why couldn't that sentence just go there? Um, yeah, it's just something that I think. I mean, people can obviously agree, but fine, whatever. It's just my opinion. Um, 
and as much as and I love the hunger system and how willpower works with V five, as mm. I um, I mentioned in great detail in my V five book review that uh, with the previous systems as, as simple as it is, you have a blood pool when you use powers it goes down like a mana bar. The hunger system I really like is a very good representation of the beast within yeah. every kindred. Like you use your disciplines and all you rouse the blood, it, the term in the book, and you are acknowledging that you are a vampire and you're yeah. having to fight with that part within you. And then obviously if it gets to five hunger, you frenzy. And I really love that representation with the dice that every action then becomes a bit of a risk reward sort of thing. Like, you just slip up once and the beast has its little bit of fun and just uh, knocks you over sort of thing. I like how willpower is... I feel willpower in older systems, well, with V20 especially, because I don't have like the revised edition or second or first. Mm -hmm. I can only presume it's similar. But with yeah, V20, it's pretty much exactly the same. Ah, uh, right. So with that, you can use a willpower point. You can declare that you want to use it when you roll saying, I'm going to use point of willpower and it will guarantee you a success and i think that's a little bit cheaty but, <laughs> but with v5 it adds a bit more of a risk because you're not perfect even though you are a, a supernaturally enhanced individual you're not superman you're not going to get everything right all the time and it, it, you could spend your willpower point and roll these three extra dice well re-roll yeah. the three dice but you could actually end up doing worse than what you did previously so i like that uh, that natural risk element to it. Yeah. That said, I'm not fond of the V5 dice themselves. Um, I don't know why, but I find looking at the symbols a bit harder to dissect than um, the actual numbers. Yeah. Doesn't make I, I I will agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, working my way back now with V20 because, as I said. At the beginning of this, I've had more experiences with V20 games than V5 games. And for me personally, and I know that a lot of people, well, a lot of the people that I've talked to wouldn't agree with this. Understanding the rules and the mechanics to how things work and using disciplines, for me, feels a lot simpler than how some of the V5 stuff works. Especially with disciplines like, you have one point in this, you do that. I just I just kind of like the, like the stepwise motion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the completeness of V20 and I know that it was advertised and intended to be like like the revised revised edition so to speak but over right. time it sort of became its own edition right and I like a lot of the lore elements that were added in there because as I've said I've scoured the internet for various different YouTube things and bits of the wiki and just word of mouth and just seeing the changes um, and updates uh, to various different stuff. An example I can give you now, uh, in V20, right at the back of the book, it's got where all the bloodlines are. And I can remember when I first saw the Harbingers of Skulls, my initial reaction was they're aristocratic zombie-like things that are basically necromancers for the Sabbat. I don't think that write-up in that book was particularly great beyond that. But then when I got Law of the Bloodlines and I read that chapter it just blew my mind away that not only are they descendants like they're more than just angry cappadocians that they have their own <laughs> right, they right. Have their own culture and ways of doing things and it just right. made them a lot more interesting and i don't know if that was the case in older books i don't know where else the harbingers of skulls that have existed beyond that now that i think i i it. believe and uh, this is just going off of my own memory, but I believe that the Harbingers, uh, Harbingers of the Skulls first were introduced in the revised edition Sabbat Guide. Um, right. And they were sort of uh, part of that pre-Sixth Maelstrom, you know, uh, launching pad to Gehenna. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I always thought that they were very interesting and, you know, they, they kind of didn't give a lot of information, but I think that I, you make a good point about, um, the V20. Um, but I, I think that is a symptom of, and I could be just talking out of my ass here on this, but I believe it's a symptom of, they weren't necessarily trying to appeal to new players with V20. You know, V20, I think was originally just meant to be kind of like a one-off 
sort yeah. of deal. Like, you know, hey, we have this IP. We're going to put out, you know, for all of you that love the the old world of darkness, you know, as it was referred to back in the day. Yeah. Uh, here's this 20th anniversary edition and it's got everything in it. So here you go. Thank you. I don't know if you know this or not. I, I only just found this out. Originally, when that book was produced, it was actually two different books. It was the, uh, I guess, you know, whatever, however they were printing them, they couldn't fit it all into one book. So it's two green V20 books. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I only just recently found that out because a friend of mine has two of them. And I was like, what is this? They're like, oh yeah, just when you first got this book, it came as two. I was like, oh, that's crazy. So, so what is it that the, the- version that people can buy now is it these two books combined or yeah 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 absolutely so yeah it's it was intended to be one book but i guess their printing capabilities they couldn't print a book thick enough and you know since then obviously they've changed and you know if you look at like the mage book or the werewolf book they're huge oh yeah yeah the first run of those physical copy books were were two books Hmm. that's interesting yeah, each like three hundred pages. Yeah, it's, it's I I never seen it. It blew my mind. I mean, it's it's blowing my mind. I'm just trying to think about it. I know you can't see my face <laughs> right now, but I'm just wide eyed. <laughs> right. What is right. like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll see if I can find a picture of it, and you know, I'll message it to you. But um, yeah, I, I was just like, I've never even heard of such a thing. I didn't get the the twentieth anniversary edition until like two or three years after it came out. Um, you know, at that point, mostly I was just doing like live action role play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just using, you know, the little skinny green books. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, I think in a lot of ways, the V5 book is really, I think, visually geared towards either attracting new players to the game or, maybe like bringing players that have been gone for a very long time. You know, it's very visually stimulating. Mm-hmm. Um, That's my but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not. And, and this is, this is a silly thing to say, but I think it needs to be said. It's not a perfect line, but I don't think that there are uh, any such things as perfect game lines. Like, no, you know, people can say all they want about V20. It still has plenty of glaring issues. Hmm, um, sure. It's far from perfect. A lot of the rules are kind of, you know, I, I think they did their rock solid best when they developed it. But, you know, there's even like certain places where what you can do with your blood are in totally different areas. Very difficult to find, hmm. um, you know, healing and combat. Can you find that easily? Is it in is it in the blood section? Is it in the combat section? Is it in the systems and drama section? You know, so it, even that isn't a isn't a perfect line. But um, no. well, so let me ask you um, before we get wrapped up. Let me ask you, um, you know, what what are some of the the favorite things that have been introduced? that you've noticed between V5 and V20, like things that have happened, um, you know, world changing things. Um, and what is something that you are looking forward to them maybe addressing in the future that they haven't done yet? Um, as I, as I mentioned earlier on with, um, what do you mean specifically between V20 or V5 or things that they've yeah, put in V5? You know, like, like, you know, um, things that have happened, that maybe maybe things that they set up in like Beckett's Jihad Diary that have come to fruition, you know, whether it's the Second Inquisition or, you know, the Hakata or, you know, any any of the kind of like new or kind of groundbreaking things, you know, the Bruja leaving the Camarilla, um, you know, the Anarchs and the Camarilla splitting, the Sab- you know, what what's your your favorite thing that's different between earlier edition and now? Um, maybe what's something that you wish they you know, maybe had done differently. Hmm. I mean, as I mentioned earlier on, I, I really like the the Second Inquisition as a concept, that the yeah. the modernization of the Society of Leopold, how actually the government have sort of... I'm not going to say working with, because my understanding of it, it's just the Second Inquisition is just like an umbrella of different organizations trying to eliminate vampires in different ways. Right. But 
as I said, like the modernization of it, how the governments are having more of an input on it, how they are like obliterating domains. I I don't I think getting a book about the things that they're doing might be a bit of a push, but like I believe there is like a chapter in the V five Camarilla book, but I, I'm looking forward to see what the writers and developers do with that. I haven't I don't have uh, Beckett's Jihad diary yet, so I can't really make much of a comment on that. Um, but with going back a little bit with the Dark Ages book, the V twenty one, and how mm. that introduced, I'm a bit of a weirdo, really enjoying the concept of the Liabon and the Quajin, and I love how they introduced in V twenty Dark Ages these three different Liabon: the Bonsam, the Lamanga, and the Impadulu, mm-hmm. and they're not really, they don't really have much of a purpose outside of those books, like. Two of them are mentioned in the companion guide for that. And I believe in uh, the Jihad diary that it's explained that two of them become the actual Liabon, but the, actually they all become the different Liabon. But it's, I just find it a bit interesting that they just added that in and then they just never did anything <laughs> with it. Um, yeah. I, the Dark Ages 20 uh, book is a little uh, off the beaten path in that regard. <laughs> I mean, it's very interesting, and I like some of the revisions that they made with the bloodlines in that as well, which, again, they didn't really do much with, like the Alamans, the like the weird Gangrel bloodline that they had a complete revision compared to the modern counterpart, which, again, mm-hmm. they d- didn't do anything with. And, right. and I, I have mixed feelings about uh, the Hakata as a concept. I recently listened to your review of uh, Cult of the Blood Gods and how you've had like a a flip in your opinion about it so i'm curious to see what i would think about that i i like the concept and it makes sense to me why all the necromantic clans would uh gather together and yeah. i'm curious because it seems like the devs are trying to uh minimize the bloodlines by doing various things with them to make them coexist with others and making them into a clan of sorts yeah and i'm curious to see how uh, the developers do that with some of the other bloodlines. Like, I'm just going to make up an example. Like, say that they wanted to do something with the Lianan, uh, like the, right. the pagan Gangrel crone offshoot. Because um, mm. there's, a, again, there's something littered in some of the V20 source books about them, which, again, they didn't really do much with. Sometimes it's a sentence here or a sentence there. And yeah, I'm just really curious to see what yep. they could do with these the various different bloodlines. So they've done various interesting things with them so far, and like uh, as you like the Anarchs becoming a full on sect. I mean, I have my own conflicting opinions about the Anarchs as a whole, but it's interesting that that's happened. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if if I had one real criticism of V five, and you know, I'm not really, I don't feel like it's my job to you know be you know, handing out negativity. But I think that the one real criticism I have, regardless of what they've done with any clan or any sect or bloodline, my one real criticism is there is a degree of inconsistency in the voice of the different books. Um, it's, uh, in other words, it's, it's very apparent to me as a reader that different, you know, different companies, different development teams had a different idea of what V5 was. And so for me, there is that level of inconsistency that you don't really find um, as much in earlier editions, although it exists in every one. But that's like the one real big criticism I I would have for it. Um, Outside of that, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. There are things about the story that I like. There are things that I don't like, but I feel like it's really important to remember that I am not beholden to any of those things. If I don't like it, I don't have to include it in my game. And there you go. That's the end of it. Um, I wish everybody else who just shouted that V5 was trash, like it's really vampire. I wish people (laughs) would just remember that and just take what you want. Like, or, you know, swap rules and mechanics around, like say that you really, that if you, you, you're playing a V20 game, but you don't like how the blood pool's done with that. It's like swap yeah. the blood pool with the Rouse check, right. for example. It's it's quite easy to do. Right. A bit of thinking and an open right. mind. 
No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and it's like, well, I don't like humanity path. Uh, I, I don't like the path of humanity. I don't like the, the paths of enlightenment. Okay. Eliminate them. Don't use them or use them, you know, whatever you want to do. That's, that's the big thing. Like, it's hard for me to get into arguments about like what I like or what I don't like, because foundationally the game is built off of that golden rule. Use what you want, discard the rest. And, um, that's why I just, I, I just can't stand getting into those, like this one's better than that one. Well, I mean, depends. I've, I've played in games that were firmly entrenched in the world of darkness and, you know, the storyteller was absolutely 100% true to the canon and boy, did that game suck. So, <laughs> you know, who's to say? Um, all right. So um, I, I got to get going here, but I have one very important question remaining for you. You're a year in um, to this this thing called lore. And um, as as you may may uh, now be understanding, it is a vast undertaking. Um, and it is one that you constantly have to be on your toes and immersing yourself in this in this information. What what do you hope to accomplish next with this podcast? And once you're done with that, or you know, once you decide to you know divert your attention, what would you like to do next in the podcasting world? Not necessarily vampire, but just like what else would you like to do? Uh, with regards to the podcast, uh, the Law by Night podcast, um, of course, um, mm -hmm. I know I can confirm. Well, I've, I've hinted at this a few times on social media in my own Discord server that uh, as we enter twenty twenty one, we I shall be doing things outside of Vampire, but still within the world of Darkness. So, talking about Werewolf and Wraith, mm -hmm. um, Mage as well. Again, not too sure how much of all of that going to do, but we're going to start to branch out a little bit more. Because basically, for uh, my Christmas and birthday, sorry, my birthday and Christmas, because they're quite close together, uh, I'll be getting a, a few uh, various different uh, source and core books. So that'll be quite fun to look over. But outside of that, I'm not too sure. Um, I I am aware that, especially with regards to Vampire, that I'm beginning to think, what could I write about that I know people will be interested in listening to? that I could make a full episode out of. Mm -hmm. um, but I will get to that problem when I get to it. Hopefully with like <laughs> <laughs> getting uh, like werewolf mage, mage. So I have Wraith somewhere as well, which I need to uh, properly crack into uh, to make Lost, uh podcast stuff about. But other than that, I'm not really too sure. I mean, your earlier suggestion of doing video game reviews and seeing where that takes me. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I've, I've had some interesting requests from people some of them know because they're just so inappropriate um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure to be honest well uh it's good to hear <laughs> it's uh, honestly it's just good to hear that you know um you're you're dedicated to continue working within the world of darkness mm. but that you're you're aware that um you know, there's a, there's a conclusion <laughs> at some point, you know, yeah. you're just going to get to the point where you're like, all right, how many different variants of a Tremere clan can I talk about? Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's something that I, I, you know, I learned doing those. I, I mean, I, I would never take back doing a chronological order of the vampire, the masquerade releases, you know, reviewing those books, because I, I think it was, it was a lot of fun to do, mm -hmm. but you know, I feel like at the end, it became very apparent to me that the more popular the book, the more popular the review yep. uh, of that book mm -hmm. uh, tended to be because, you know, people at this point, there's less people that are curious about buying the book as they are like affirming their personal beliefs about said book. You know, they want to hear you speak with their, you know, they want you to speak with your voice for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess the last thing that I would say before we wrap up is um, I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. However, I think it would have been more appropriate for me to come onto your podcast because <laughs> more people are going to hear me on yours. Um, so no, I, I, I appreciate it and, and I would love to have you back. I think it was a great conversation. Thank you very much. And likewise, I, I would actually very much like to drag you onto my podcast for my little 
mini irregular side series canine conversations and just have another conversation like this. I I did notice uh, your your recent conversation with uh, Chris Zach. So um, I wasn't like trying to be pushy or anything. I wasn't trying to invite myself, but a little oh, no, bit. No. Was. <laughs> well, sure. any anytime you want me, send me an invite. You know, I know the holidays coming up are probably going to be very hectic. Um, hopefully, everybody stays safe and and um, you know stays out of like heavily populated air, uh, airports and things like that. But uh, um, yeah, let me know whenever you want me on. You know, I'm I'm ready. Excellent, just the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, I don't know if this is a weird thing about me. But one of my favorite things is to listen to British people talk about things I enjoy. So, hmm. uh, you know, keep it up. <laughs> no, but but uh, to 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 give you one last compliment before we leave, um, I do really like how distinctly different the voice of your character is from the voice of you. Your 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 conversational interaction is definitely different than your voice acting. And so, you know, I really appreciate that. It's not just you. That's one of my biggest problems is that most of the time it's just variants of me. So thank you. Thank you for putting out material and thank you for, you know, being part of the community and thanks for coming on my podcast. You're very welcome. And I just wanted to say your voice is very soothing to listen to too. So I'm very glad that you just <laughs> you. the way that you do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we got lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the 2D10 Podcast. If you enjoyed it, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash 2D10. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for 2D10. You can also support this show and all of Utility Muffin Labs by backing me on patreon.com slash 2D10. Go to utilitymuffinlabs.com for more podcasts, artwork, and gaming fun. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.